You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Nola has over 30 years of experience in financial and operations management for companies around the world. As a part-time CFO, she's dedicated to working with businesses of all sizes to create sustainable growth and amplify strategy. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Justin Cochran. Justin is the dad of two daughters and founder of Carbon Streaming Corporation, which provides investors a way to invest in low-carbon future and fight climate change. They offer exposure to carbon credits, a key instrument used by governments and corporations to achieve their climate goals. Many who want to grow money responsibly stick their money to no-load mutual funds and leave it there for a long period of time. But as Justin points out, there are a lot of bad things that are happening on the planet right now. Habitat destruction, pollution, climate instability, oceanic dead zones, massive poverty and income inequality that are all funded in part or wholly by those very mutual funds. Justin has 20 years of royalty and stream financing experience. He was formerly president of Cobalt 27 Capital Corporation, which raised over a billion dollars in equity and debt prior to its sale to Pala Investments Limited in 2019. Welcome, Justin. Thank you very much for joining us today. Your career has spanned quite a diverse royalty and streaming focus and now CEO of a really different kind of company. Carbon Streaming Corporation, which of course has ticker symbol NetZ, focuses on giving investors a way to invest in a low-carbon future and fight climate change. To start us off, can you give us a bit of background? What got you started in this world? Yeah, thanks. Well, listen, thank you very much for, for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's it, the royalty and streaming business, as you as you mentioned, is a business that, that I fell in love with probably about 15 years ago now. Um, I was doing investment banking for a decade and started covering companies in the space. And uh, and when I started, um, you know, into this sector about 15 years ago, I just had a view that this is a business model that you can take to just about any commodity in the world. And um, my history here has is, is mostly been in the in the mining and energy space, primarily mining. But about two years ago, um, took a look at what other commodities and, and my background for the last six or seven years been in decarbonization, electrification of the vehicle fleet. And that got me carbon credit world about six or seven years ago. And and I, I took a look around and said, there just isn't any carbon credit investment vehicle around for for the public markets. And um, and I just thought the, the royalty and streaming model would be a unique way of of you know bringing investors exposure to the carbon credit world. So we went out and started it. Um, gosh, almost two years ago now, and it's been seems like a whirlwind living in COVID for for most of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> been a fantastic uh, couple of years, and has grown sort of more than my wildest dreams at the at the at the time we started the company. It's really awesome. So can you tell us a bit about the company? What are you doing? So so what we do is 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 we launched a public company. So we raise we raise money from investors and we use that capital to invest in carbon projects around the world. So let's say we invest 10 million dollars into a forest conservation project, a renewable energy project, 
an African cook stove project. So, so we're investing capital into these projects to get them off the ground, to develop them, to expand them, to accelerate their sort of project activities. And in exchange for our investment, we receive the carbon credits in return that are generated from that project. And we'll turn around and, and sell those credits. And then once we sell those credits, we then share a majority of the revenue back to the project developer. So, so what carbon streaming keeps is uh, you know generally a ten to twenty percent generally ten to twenty percent of the revenue that's generated when we sell these carbon credits to international buyers around the world. Fantastic! That sounds like a really interesting option. So. How do the project owners or developers benefit and how is the risk for you different since you're participating in that process? Yeah, so so for the project developers, what's what's amazing about this market is is the carbon market, this voluntary carbon market's been around for about 14 years now. Wow. But they've almost all been starved for capital for the past 14 years and so they've really been sort of hand to mouth you know um, slowly feeding themselves as they're able to sell credits and and there wasn't a lot of buyers and there wasn't a lot of these credits again going back to the last 10 years or so but that changed about about a year ago really and we've seen this tremendous demand and now so you got project developers you know, trying to figure out how they can raise capital to, to fund their projects and a partnership with, with Carbon Streaming provides them with the capital to develop and expand their, their projects. But also these project developers, they're not, they're not built to sell credits to the Microsofts and Delta Airlines, Gucci's and PWC's of the world. So, um, so they like partnering with organizations that will help them monetize and, and sell their credits. So at Carbon Streaming, we do sort of all of the above, right? We can give them the capital, invest in their projects. And by investing in their, in their projects, we get the, the carbon credits and then we help them sell them. And because we will have investments in you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 different projects around the world, We'll have carbon credits coming in, carbon streams coming in from many different projects. So we become, you know, this, this, you know, what we're, the goal is, of course, is to become the most significant player in the voluntary carbon credit world. So that if a corporate buyer is looking for credits, they have to come to us or they're likely to come to us to look for those credits. It makes a lot of sense because that kind of facilitates the market in the process that you're both funding the project so it expedites it and we can actually get there faster in our mission to clean up the world and decarbonize it. But at the same time, those who need them in the interim have got somewhere to go and don't have to, since it's not their core business to run around finding carbon credits, I would hope. Um, or selling them on the other side. So that makes a lot of sense. So now for those who don't know how the carbon credits work, obviously, I mean, the goal in the world is that we clean up our industries and stop using petrochemicals and destroying the planet, shall we call it. But research and development can't happen that fast. So what are these carbon credits for those who don't understand how they actually work? Yeah, great question. So every credit created around the world 
represents one metric ton of carbon dioxide or carbon dioxide equivalent. So, so every credit is sort of created equally in terms of in terms of what it represents, and that's that one metric ton of of carbon dioxide. Um, but what a carbon credit project is then doing is either uh, is either removing carbon from the atmosphere. So for every metric ton of of CO two it's removing from the atmosphere, it can get a credit, or it's avoiding or reducing the amount of mission of emissions that would have occurred. So when you think about a forest conservation project um, and, and, and so what we call a red project, which stands for a reduction in emissions through deforestation and forest degradation. So red for short, um, these red projects are avoiding the deforestation of, of forests and peat swamps and mangroves around the world and preventing the emission of, the, of this carbon into the atmosphere. So they sort of come in those two types of projects, what we call you know, uh, avoidance or removals. Um, and, and once a project is certified to be doing one of those activities, it can then issue credits and, and sell those to international buyers. So it's a really, really fascinating market, but it's, it plays this critical role, as you said, because companies around the world can't flip a switch and and stop emissions so instead of of immediately sort of removing let's say all fossil fuel based power generation companies in the interim can then go and buy carbon credits to offset their own emissions so if a company is emitting 1 million tons of carbon dioxide they can go and buy carbon credits to uh, buy a million carbon credits to offset the, their own emissions such that they can then tell their investors, look, we, we recognize we have a million tons of, of, of carbon dioxide emissions, but we're investing in projects and supporting projects around the world that are helping to fight climate change that have either avoided or removed that same amount of, of carbon from the atmosphere. And therefore, as companies take time, and as you said, it will it will take decades for industry to move towards true carbon abatement, right? Removing, you know, removing and, and reducing their fossil fuel emissions. That this gives them, you know, that that you know that that middle ground, that temporary, um, you know, measure to to again support uh, support projects that are helping to fight climate change. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense because, I mean, that's also feeding additional funding into those projects now, almost from the bigger companies, which is what it turns out to be. The bigger companies are the bigger emitters in many cases. So if they're taking part of their cash and funding some of these projects, well, that helps as well. So overall, hopefully we get better. So now some of the projects that you invested in are probably pretty interesting. Can you tell us about a couple of them? I would love to. So, so the largest project that we've invested in to date is a project called Rimbaraya. And, and Rimbaraya is in Borneo, Indonesia. It's a project that's been around for 10 years. And uh, it is protecting about 65,000 hectares of an Indonesian peat swamp, and and what the project is doing is actually uh, is actually preventing that land from being converted into palm oil plantations, oh. which is 
what it has on its entire eastern eastern border and but in doing so it's protecting this property for three local communities um, and the carbon project has supported a floating medical uh, clinic that that transverses the river and, and stops in each community it's providing a clean water and clean power microfinance to woman-led businesses, education and scholarships. Um, and, and, quite, and, and quite amazingly, it, it, it uh, it's provided the release sites for the local Bornean orangutan. And it, so it creates these fabulous images of these orangutans um, in, uh, in this peat swamp jungle. Um, but it's just doing, this project is doing amazing things. It, it generates about three and a half million carbon credits a year. Uh, so it's one of the largest carbon projects in the world. And we, we invested in the project developer there and made a $45 million investment funded with cash and shares and have entered into a long-term partnership with the project to, to help sell those credits. So we'll find the corporate buyers and keep monetizing and sell those credits. And then a more majority of our revenue gets invested straight back into the into the local community to support all those projects that I talked about. Um, what's really amazing about this project is it's the only project in the world that's been verified to meet all 17 of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And those sustainable are the types of things, types of activities that I just spoke about. And, uh, and so it's this really amazing project. It's been supported by the likes of corporate buyers such as PwC, Gucci, Delta Airlines, Impex Energy Corporation, um, Zurich Insurance. Uh, it really has this amazing set of, of buyers who all you know, do a, a fantastic job of including Rimbaraya and in their sustainability reports. And uh, it's, it's a project that we're very excited to be um, partners on. Absolutely. I mean, that sounds like an absolutely just an awesome project and one that as human beings, we would love to fund that type of a project that's doing so much all round good in so many different areas. That is absolutely awesome. That, that's exactly right. And what and, and if you think about what we're doing there is we're trying to put economic value on this 65,000 hectares that creates an alternative to palm oil plantations, right? So, so without a carbon project and without putting a price on carbon, you would never have saved that, that peat swamp, never have saved that forest, never would have mm -hmm. saved the carbon, the orangutans, all of the, the, the endangered species that live within within that 65,000 hectares. And and people often ask, like, you know, why do we create these projects? That's why we create these projects, because in the absence of, of carbon there, the the climate is in a far worse position uh, and not not in the communities and the biodiversity, et cetera. So it's it's a re really an amazing project. Um, and the second one that I would talk about is 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 a bit different than Rimbaraya because this is a is a project called Marvivo, and this is a development project. So it's a new project that's just being developed today, as we speak. I was on the phone with the project developers earlier today, awesome. and is protecting twenty two thousand hectares of of mangroves in Baja California, Mexico. Awesome. 
and connected to the mangroves is 137,000 hectares of its surrounding marine environment and marine ecosystem. As you can imagine, these mangroves are surrounded by, by water. And so this is a project that's underway to protect these mangroves from mainly from, from, from growing aquaculture and shrimp farming that's mm. host and, and moving into this area of the Baja Mexico. And mangroves are a phenomenal carbon sink. I mean, they, they hold about 75% of their carbon underwater. Um, because, of their, because of the carbon density, uh, mangroves will hold up to 10 times the carbon as a terrestrial forest, as an example. And again, that's because of the, the carbon that's, that's underground. Um, and, and they're absolutely vital to, to protecting in order to, again, maintain this carbon, you know, carbon absorption that they, that they have. Um, and, uh, and also of course, surrounding these mangroves is this incredible, uh, marine ecosystem. And without, if we, if we destroy the mangroves, the marine habitats and ecosystems of hundreds of, of fish species, uh, would be destroyed. So, um, and what's really neat about these credits is 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 they they're considered a blue carbon credit. Blue meaning aspect of these carbon credits, and this will be one of the largest uh, blue carbon pro- blue carbon credit projects in the world. And uh, and we're pretty excited. In that in that case, we gave the developer a group called Marvivo Corporation the money they needed to develop the, the project over an 18 to 24 month period. And um, I was down there in October of last year and it's just a, you know, just an incredible project that we're excited to very excited to be a part of. Absolutely. That is absolutely phenomenal. And what different projects. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I'm sure you're exploring a whole bunch more projects. So what would qualify as being a project that you would invest in? I'm sure you have particular criteria and I mean, there are potentially more projects that you look at than you really land up investing in at the end of the day. So how does one qualify to be one of your projects? Yeah, of course. It's a it's a great question. We spend we spend a lot of time reviewing and diligencing project investment opportunities, as you can imagine. We we have seven full time people um, that spend a hundred percent of their time uh, on the investment pipeline. Um, but I think primarily we we look for a couple of things. First off, that it can be an independently verified and certified project, which really speaks to the the quality of the project. Um, and there are various standard bodies um, that 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 help us review, but we always hire our own set of consultants. We've got a we've got a lot of technical expertise on our team and our advisory board. So most importantly, we're focused on quality. I'd say the second thing that we're looking for is to partner with project developers that have done this before. So it's not somebody new that's 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 seen an opportunity to to develop a carbon project and doesn't have any experience doing it um, because we ourselves don't get in, don't get involved in the day-to-day operations of these projects we need quality partners who know what they're doing i guess right so yeah. we're, we're proven proven project developers and then you know and then uh, so two other main things for us is is obviously we're looking for investments of scale 
right? We were, uh, you know, uh, a six hundred million dollar market cap company today on our basic shares outstanding, and and you know um, we can't be doing a whole bunch of one million dollar deals. We are looking for for bigger things of, of size, and also diversity, right? We're, we are there are six thousand over six thousand carbon projects in existence today, um, which is which which makes this this industry just fascinating but because of that we're looking to diversify our investment portfolio across geographies across different project types um, and we sort of actively think about how we want to diversify our cash to make sure we're building you know a smart portfolio for our uh, for our investors that's pretty awesome now carbon streaming is a public company so obviously people can participate in this if they want. Certainly, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense to add it to your portfolio of investments where possible if if that's the, the direction you want to go in. Are your shares fairly widely held or do you have large blocks of institutions or insiders participating? So, so uh, we do have a lot of shareholders. So we've done, we've done three different public rounds pre-IPO, but but three different rounds of uh, of raises to public um, investors. So we have about two line and glass count, 2,200 or 2,300 um, retail investors. Uh, at the same time, we do have a core group of, of insiders and, and other companies that have supported us, you know, through our, through our sort of last several rounds. So um, I would say we have, Probably thirty percent of our shares are fairly tightly held amongst a amongst a core group of, you know, the management team and 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 um, and corporate uh, and a few institutional supporters, and the rest would be largely retail. Um, we are also looking at a strategy of of listing on a U.S. exchange here. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, uh, first half of this year. Uh, that in particular would help you know, um, open us up to a broader, uh, broader audience of, of investors and, and help the liquidity as well. But, um, yes, a little bit of both, Absolutely. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty awesome, but it does mean that the stock is fairly actively traded at the moment. So unlike some of the really tightly held stocks, which are violently erratic to say the least, it, uh, you know, if retail investors want to participate, they, they sure as heck could. So that's pretty awesome. Now, looking at the stock market itself, um, some commentators have been believing that we're becoming increasingly erratic. And if one looks at the way the stock market's been behaving over the last little while, it sure has. Um, periods like this have often been followed by a major crash in the market. So do you think... I mean, what's your opinion? Are we headed for a crash, and/or do you think we really are pretty erratic at the moment? Well, it's it's is one reason why we're getting a lot of interest in our story, and that is that carbon tends to be and has never been really correlated with any other major asset class. So, as as a new commodity or new asset class to a portfolio. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of interest for that exact for that exact reason, and and 
while it's it's hard for me to opine on on sort of the rest of the market, what we see in carbon specifically is this wholesale movement to ESG investors and ESG funds. And what I love about this commodity is is we have interest from from oil and gas funds that are looking to you know offset you know offset their energy exposure. We have interest from mining funds who are who are looking to do the same thing. Uh, we have interest from you know of course just ESG funds and, and different uh, different investment funds around the world. There's a number of new carbon sort of carbon ETFs and other carbon vehicles that are looking at ways of of creating, of course, those those passive carbon investment vehicles. So we, we're getting interest from all, you know, many different kind of areas of, of the market. Um, and, and this move towards fighting climate change and recognizing that we need to put a price on carbon, I don't see, you know, the winds changing um, time soon. So, so, uh, we, we feel like we have a very good, um, you know, uh, very good runway in front of us from that perspective. But listen, I, you know, I, I'm, of course, obviously a broad investor in the markets myself. And it's, it's so hard, you know, these days. It's like real estate. I, I think I believe that real estate prices have been overinflated for the better part of two decades, but they just keep going higher. <laughs> and yeah. With all this inflation we now see in the markets. Mm-hmm. No, it's and and just the printing of money. Obviously, it's it's not hard to believe the markets just continue, you know, continue on their bull run for, you know, for at least for the for the foreseeable future. Anyway, short term. Yeah, yeah, it almost seems pretty crazy, but there certainly are certain factors there that support the the fact that this could be a very different market this time, that we're not headed for a crash because circumstances are a little different to what they have been at the time of some of those crashes. And, of course, another factor that we have now is um, opportunities like Robin Hood that are making investing a lot more accessible to your average man in the street. Of course, last year we had all that fun in the summer when a couple of their investors took a little bit of a run at certainly certain named companies. Do you see it as beneficial or not that your average man in the street can now participate as easily as they can through a platform like Robinhood? Well, that's, you know, I, I, I think overall providing better access and availability to more investors and, and more just eyes on, 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 on the market, I think is a tremendous positive. Uh, at the same time, you, you, it's created, you know, a lot of volatility in certain names, you know, um, rightfully or not, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and has led to some sort of crazy valuations at, at times. And, and so, um, I think like anything, there's, there's positives and, and negatives, but, you know, it's from a company perspective, it's certainly, you know, made us rethink, you know, our strategy for, for reaching out investors. I mean, this, it, it has changed so much. I mean, I've been the principal in a, in these various uh, royalty and streaming companies now for over 10 years and going on 12 years. And, 
Uh, and the way we target investors has completely changed now. It, it really is is amazing. And I, it's hard to say it's it's for the worse. In, in some in instances, it's much easier to reach mm-hmm. out to you and reach out to your target audience and also to get the data on, you know, whether you're, you know, whether the dollars you're spending are being put to good work, <laughs> right? right? In some sense, there's, there's some big positives. Um, and I, and, but overall, it's sort of exciting to me that we're, we're getting more people involved in looking at the market and you don't need to be a professional investor anymore to know how to buy a stock, which I think is kind of neat. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. You know, I mean, it used to be one of those almost voodoo, untouchable, hard to access things. You had to go through a professional to try and help you. Whereas now a lot more people are getting involved and just as long as they're cautious. And I mean, it's much like gambling, only do what you can afford to do. Don't be insane and and think that the market's always going to go up permanently because what goes up does come down at some point, maybe not all the way. But uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting the way it has switched things up. So have you found that the pandemic has done much to your company? Did you see any changes in any trends or anything through the, the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, we, we, I mean, yes, certainly we've seen challenges relating to getting people on site to look at mm. for us so we do send consultants to our projects around the world so that's been a challenge at times uh, we've also seen like some of the regulatory uh, agencies you know stretched uh, because of you know covid and 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 frankly just this renewed interest in in carbon has has, has had a dramatic impact as well um but also, so so in that area, it's it's you know it's made it's made it tougher, and and some of our investments have taken us longer than we would have envisioned because late. But but equally, you know, it's 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 made parts of our business much easier. Like this, you know, the the Zoom, you know, the Zoom conference meetings and 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 team meetings has has made it easier for me to to in effect you know, speak with people on the ground in Indonesia and in Mexico and in the U.S. and in Africa. And and while I'm sure we could have figured it out two years ago, we it just generally wasn't done. And so I was, I'm, you know, on the road and in, in airplanes and traveling. And it's time and expense and, of course, time for my, my wife and kids as well. So in that, in that aspect, it's made globalization and meeting people around the world that much easier, which I think has been a massive positive for us. And we, and, and my team here at carbon streaming is now we're spread out across, across Canada. Uh, we've got a few people in the U S and an individual in, in, um, in Europe right now. Um, so, you know, and we aren't finding it really uh, it's, it hasn't been challenging to pull everybody together and get everybody on the same page. So that's been pretty neat. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat what the what the pandemic has done. It's such a double-edged sword. You know, there's so many benefits, but it was really interesting to see how much resistance there was to the electronic meeting and virtual way of working pre-pandemic. And then hey presto, 
when things got locked down, we all found a way to do it and find it totally acceptable, even though it was hard for a lot of people because I did come across particularly older people who struggled with the electronic side of it. You know, it didn't make a lot of sense. But, yeah, it's old hat now. We all do it. It's it's just positively amazing. Exactly. And I was actually intending to be in the office today, but we had a massive snow day here in Toronto. And uh, and so the kids and everybody stayed home and I, I, I couldn't leave my driveway. There was so much snow. But, you know, I'm up in the attic and working and I don't miss a beat, which is which is pretty neat. Yeah. So, yeah. There's certain days that it's really beneficial to be able to say, OK, let's switch up the location. Let's still do the work. You know, it's a bit of a problem if you've left a binder in the office or something. But outside of that, it, it pretty much works because most of our files are electronic now, too. <laughs> so. So what trends do you see likely to be coming our direction over the next, let's say, three to five years, which is a fairly short but maybe long period as well? Yeah, I I think the biggest trend that we've seen in the last year, which I expect is not going to end anytime soon, is is this trend towards shareholders and regulators pressuring corporations to not only disclose their sort of climate related risks, so their emission levels, so, uh, but also to then actively take a role in reducing them uh, or do something to offset those emissions. And, and so we have this, you know, ESG trend and so much of ESG over the last 10 years has been focused on the S and the G right, the social and the government governance side with very little actually done from an, a truly done from an environmental perspective. But I think what we've seen in the last year is finally North America, um, who was asleep at the wheel for so long, waking up environmental crisis and, and, and regulators, shareholders, asset managers, all now taking an active role in 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 pushing through, um, you know, policies that are going to help fight climate change, and uh, that's just a that's a trend I don't see ending anytime soon, and um, and one that I'm pretty excited about. The other trend which I mentioned is is the a really cool side about this business, which is what we what we're starting to see is businesses that are attaching carbon credits to their products and selling or marketing a carbon neutral product. And so we've seen this mostly in the energy space, well, I'd say energy and airline space for the last couple of years where energy companies are now selling carbon neutral LNG or shipping companies are, 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 are doing carbon neutral shipments, right? And they're offsetting the emissions from those by buying carbon credits. Similar, similarly in you know, as an as an example, in a, with an Air Canada flight purchase, you've been able to offset your carbon footprints on the Air Canada website for quite some time by buying um, carbon credits. So you're you have the ability to 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 sell a carbon neutral product, and that can that can apply to any product around the world. Like if you think could be the T-shirt we're wearing or the car you're buying or the food you're buying is very much like the organic food, you know, the organic food that we buy, you could see yourself paying 
uh, albeit a slight premium for for carbon neutral product. And I think that's a really, really interesting place where I see this business going and, and, and many businesses going at the same time is this kind of broader, you know, broader trend to help fight, uh, fight climate change. Yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, it, it, it certainly there is a groundswell, you know, I mean, where we seem to start this very, very slowly, you seeing a lot more care and attention being paid to this whole industry, which is, is pretty exciting to see where it's actually going to go. So in closing, do you perhaps have any other thoughts for us? Anything we perhaps haven't touched on? Yeah, I, I two things. First off, just on the investment pipeline, we've got a team, as I mentioned, of seven individuals uh, who are working on our investment pipeline. We've got uh, a big, a big pipeline of opportunities, 200 million of which we consider near term. So we're very excited about the about some new investments we'll be making here in the in the in the first part of this year and and for and throughout the entire year so i'd encourage um listeners to 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 keep an eye on on uh on on that investment pipeline and then secondly as i mentioned a bit earlier just that that u.s listing strategy so we're we are hopeful to get that finalized here um, sometime in the next several months and pretty excited about what that's what that's going to do for us as a company and, and you know, uh, broadening our exposure to a, a whole new set of investors. And, um, uh, and, uh, and it should be a very exciting 2022. So uh, I had a, I, I managed to get to a beach for, uh, for a week over the holidays and had a very restful, um, very restful Christmas break, but very excited to be back at it in 2022. And it's going to be a pretty exciting year. Absolutely. It sure does sound like it. I think I, for one, will definitely be keeping an eye on it. So if people want to reach out and or learn more, how can they get in contact or learn more about the company? Yeah, so we've got a great website uh, and a team that does a fantastic job of, of uh, keeping the website updated. We actually just rebranded the company, updated the logo and the color scheme uh, earlier this morning. Uh, but go on to our website, carbons, carbonstreaming.com, and, uh, and you can reach out through the website. Uh, and we've got an info at carbonstreaming.com email address um, where you can always uh, message the group. Um, and... And in particular, if you're looking at uh, at buying the stock or interested in the stock price, picker is NetZ, so N-E-T-Z, zero. And uh, we're listed on the NEO exchange here in Canada so far. Fantastic. Thanks very much. That was really an awesome opportunity to learn so much more about a really different kind of environment. And as you say, participating through streaming and royalties is, a, is an awesome way of doing this and, and learning more. I mean, if nothing else, let's go to the website and learn about the projects that you're investing in. They've, I took a, a brief look at the website and you've got pictures up and it's, it's, a, it's a neat website, I must admit, really fun. So thanks for joining us today. So much for having me. Really, really appreciate it. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients translate their operating and accounting data into the strategy for business growth they're truly capable of. Subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast on iTunes, 
Google Play and Spotify to hear from other companies that have overcome growth challenges. Get a free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing and download the Financial Growth Scorecard at proteaconsulting.ca. Work with us to achieve your business potential. To find out if we're a fit for your business, email info at proteaconsulting.ca and follow the Unlocking Business Growth podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook.